Welcome back to Sports Waves, Malibu's only sports talk podcast. It's been about a two-week layoff for us, and of course, plenty has happened in the sports world while we've been away. We'll talk about college basketball and NFL football again, which it seems like we've been talking about for about a month. My name is Carl Winter. I'll be your co-host today. I'm joined by my co-host, Austin Lede, as always. And we're joined today by a very special guest, my teammate, Ryan Hemphill. Ryan, why don't you give the listeners a chance to, to get to know you and who you are. And also, we always like to ask who you root for in the professional sports world. Of course. Uh, what's up, guys? My name is Ryan Hempill. I'm a sophomore here at Pepperdine. I'm on the cross-country and track team, like Carl just said. I'm an IMC major. And I root for the Rams and the Dodgers. And as far as the NBA goes, I, I don't really have a team. I'm just a LeBron hater. Wow, that's a hot take on this podcast as well. Although I do think Michael Jordan is the GOAT. I don't know where Austin falls on that. I have a whole article on why LeBron's a GOAT. Oh, Check it you, out. You, that is true. I feel like I, I definitely edited or published this article. Um, so, all right, well, we have three very differing opinions on that. But I, I know Ryan is of the opinion that the Lakers won a Mickey Mouse ring in 2020. So maybe we'll get into that as well. Um, Bad take. But all three of us, all three of us are from California, um, from different areas. I'm from Northern California. Ryan's from Visalia, and Austin comes from Temecula. So it's interesting. We've got that kind of West Coast flair. Um, but Ryan, while I have you here, I don't really spend much time on this podcast ever talking about cross country and track since they aren't exactly in the mainstream. But we do spend some time talking about Pepperdine athletics. So since you're here, why don't you give us kind of the update on what's been going on with our team, the track team, this spring, kind of what we've done so far and where we are in the season and what we're doing coming up. Yeah, of course. Uh, we got a lot of exciting stuff going on. Uh, Carl here, I know he probably hasn't bragged about it, but he broke 14 in the 5K, which is a huge deal this season. And our other boy, Kyle McCabe, broke 20, he broke 30 in the 10K, which is also a big deal. Three uh, nationally top 10 ranked runners in our respective events, even though that's only because nobody started their outdoor season yet. But we'll take it. So, yeah, we got our new coaches. We got a lot of exciting stuff going on. It's a good year for the program. So we have a meet this uh, Saturday, CSU Northridge. Uh, You can come if you want, or I don't know. I wouldn't recommend driving all the way to CSU Northridge for a track meet, but if you're into that, go ahead. Yeah, obviously there was a little bit of a little bit of self-deprecation on there and also a little bit of building ourselves up. I mean, we were technically ranked in the top 10 in the country, but it comes with the giant asterisk of the fact that all of the good teams are running indoor track and we are running outdoors. We don't have to tell anybody that. Uh, but we'll take it. We'll take it nonetheless. And Northridge is about as close to campus as we ever compete. So, I mean, if anyone does ever want to come watch a meet, that would be a good one to go to because it's roughly you know, 45 minutes away and we never compete on campus. Um, but it has been a good start and hopefully more to come, you know, more good times and hopefully competing for NCAAs. So it's been an exciting start for us. And, you know, elsewhere in Pepperdine athletics, it's an exciting time as well. Men's golf won an event last weekend, the Valspar Collegiate Invitational, and they are obviously looking to defend their national title. And it looks like, you know, their individuals are starting to come around and they're, they're kind of peaking when it matters. So, They've got some big events coming up. Women's tennis lost to number 14 Cal today, which is uncharacteristic because they were ranked in the top five, but they're also coming around for a national championship run. Baseball swept Pacific over the weekend, so they're kind of coming around in the West Coast Conference play as well, looking to get back to the West Coast Conference tournament after missing it last year. Men's volleyball still kind of up and down, but they always like to say that they peak at the right time, so they've kind of been in a trend where they'll split a two-game series with teams, so they've kind of been middling in the you know, like six to nine range in terms of where they're ranked nationally. 
but we expect them to get to where they need to be come the MPSF tournament and the NCAA tournament. So that's our quick couple minute Pepperdine Athletics recap. And now let's get into kind of national sports. We'll stick with college athletics, though, because the last two episodes we spent talking about March Madness. Last time Austin and I talked on this podcast, we were just seeing the bracket for the first time. So we got to kind of give an idea of what we were going to pick, but we hadn't even picked our brackets yet. Now we have, we're you know more than two weeks into the tournament, the 68 team field has been whittled down to the final four. So Austin, I'll start with you. How is your bracket doing? I mean, I'm guessing you're going to say it's busted like everyone else, but how busted exactly is it? It's pretty bad. Um, I only had Villanova right in the final four, so I had every other team wrong. And I mean, I don't think anyone had St. Peter's going to the Elite Eight, so I did pretty bad. I finished like seventh in one of my leagues, and then I finished first actually in another league, so that shows like everyone did really bad. But um, the final four, I mean, it's four like powerhouses, Duke, North Carolina, Kansas, Villanova. Teams are always good in the tournament, so no surprises really. I was rooting for St. Peter's because like who doesn't like an underdog story, and like they've been playing really good. But, um, yeah, I mean, it'll be really excited for Final Four, and I think that's going to get high ratings just because they're powerhouses that everyone knows, Duke, the Kansas. So, yeah, should be good. Did you have Villanova in the national championship game? Or? Yeah, actually okay. I did. Do you have them winning it? No. Okay. I had them losing to Baylor, but right. Baylor's out. So. Baylor's out. Do you, so at least you have a chance to get some more points yeah. and maybe move up a little bit. I mean, points are worth so much more the later you get in the tournament. Mm-hmm. Uh, Ryan, how about you? We're, we're in a bracket group together. And last I checked, you're doing like reasonably well compared to the rest of us. Um, so, so what's going on with your bracket? What has gone right and wrong for you? Yeah. Left side of the bracket for me is pretty tough. Um, I did have Gonzaga and I believe UCLA. So those teams both went up pretty early, unfortunately, but I actually did predict the Villanova Kansas matchup and I have Kansas winning it all. So I still got a lot of potential for some points there, which is nice. And yeah, the UNC Duke matchup will be fun though. Apparently, it's like the first time those teams have ever met in the tourney, despite like being powerhouses for so long. So that'll be pretty crazy. So I'm looking forward to that. Got it. Yeah, I mean, I think that I can rival both of you, or actually be both of you in terms of how bad my bracket is. <laughs> I, I had Arizona going all the way, which I mean, I didn't think was that terrible. Thankfully, I didn't have Kentucky going all the way. Uh, Arizona got bounced pretty early, so that didn't help me out. I did have Gonzaga losing early, which was good. Like, I had them losing in the round of 32. They lost in the round of 16 because I just didn't think they were that good this year. But in terms of the rest of the way the rest of my bracket went, I mean, it was an absolute travesty. All the other upsets that I had, you know, the ones that the pundits were telling me were the good ones. Like, I had Iowa in the Final Four, and, you know, just these 5-12 matchups that I thought would go my way. Nothing went according to plan. And also, I think one point on while we were picking two weeks ago on this podcast, Austin, like, I said, you know, I, I really like Murray State. Like, they're going to make it to the Sweet 16. They're going to probably have to play Kentucky, in the, or they're going to have to play Kentucky in the round of 32, which will be tough. And you said... Or St. Peter's. And I laughed at you. Like, I laughed it off. And, of course, St. Peter's is the 115 seed who I didn't pay any attention to because they're a tiny school, never made the tournament. And they make it all the way to the Elite Eight, which was exciting. I will say, though, the Elite Eight was pretty disappointing in that, like, it was a bunch of blowouts. Like, none of the underdogs kind of really made a real push to make it to the Final Four. But how do you guys feel about having four Blue Bloods in the Final Four? Are you kind of of the opinion that the tournament is at its best when you have early upsets, but then at the end, like, you have the really good teams playing? Or would you rather see, like, a 10 versus 11 or something in the Final Four? Um, Personally, I like it. I like seeing, like, the really good teams. And, I mean, I think 
the teams that are playing really well should be here. And North Carolina is arguably playing their best basketball right now and Coach K's last run. So I think everyone wants to see Duke play. So um, it's exciting. And Villanova is always like really good in the tournament. So I think everyone likes an underdog story, but like eventually, you know, the underdog story ends. So I like it. Yeah, like pretty much everyone else, I was rooting for St. Peter's to go all the way. And I, I like, yeah, everybody likes to root for the underdog. But I do think that like having the big dogs there kind of makes for better games in the end because the underdogs do tend to get blown out. And, you know, when they make it super far. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And where do you guys kind of fall in the debate of, you know, this time of year, especially like big NBA fans really like to bash college basketball and be like, these dudes are playing their way to like 44, 42 games where like they're just breaking every shot. And college basketball purists are saying, you know, it's all about the fundamentals. Like they actually play defense in college basketball. NBA is not worth watching until the last two minutes or the playoffs. Uh, Are you guys kind of on the middle ground of that or do you like sway closer to one side um i mean i like i like basketball in general so like i like nba and college basketball but like college basketball has become more of a joke and like you don't really watch it until march madness just because of like one and done players like it's new players every year so like you can't really keep up with the team if you're just like a casual fan so maybe they have to change that but yeah yeah i'd say it's probably just a product of like the disparity in skill level just because i think Offense in the NBA is so hard to guard regardless of how good they are at defense. So, like, I think people, I mean, there's a lot of people that are just pretty much unstoppable in the NBA on offense, and you probably don't see that as much in college basketball. And, I mean, there's definitely some truth to the thing that, like, they don't play defense at all in the NBA, but I think it's mostly just a skill level thing. It's a lot harder to score. Yeah, I just want to say one thing to, like, old heads that, like, say there's no defense playing nowadays. It's just harder to play defense because, like, everyone is so skilled now. Like... Mm -hmm. I mean, the other, like, a few weeks ago, Sadiq Bey on the Pistons dropped 50 points. Like, anyone nowadays can drop 50, like, if they're really on their game, which is, like, crazy. Because people back then, like, did not drop even 40 regularly. So, just the skill level is, like, the highest it's ever been in the NBA. It's interesting that you bring up Sadiq Bey because that was one of the most ridiculous 50 pieces that I've ever seen. Because I think he shot, like, less than five free throws. He might have even shot zero. I don't know. I don't have the stats in front of me. But he did it on, like, all jumpers. It wasn't, like, you know, seven dunks and, like, 22 free throws. He did it on basically all – I think he hit nine threes. Mm -hmm. It just came out of nowhere and completely unstoppable. So that's a really good point. I mean, I'm – I don't know. I feel like I like to play the middle. If if there's, like, a random college basketball game – near me or on TV versus a random NBA game, I may actually tune into the college one uh, just because I think there's, you know, good potential to see a good game versus if it's like the Pistons and the Pelicans are playing or something, I'm probably like really don't care. But when it comes to the playoffs, like night in and night out, it's usually great to watch. So, yeah, I feel like people are really opinionated on that one way or another. But I also think college basketball is like the best or March Madness is like the best postseason that there is. So it's really, really tough to rival that. So, you know, it's it's a weird debate that comes around every time this year. But that's kind of where we stand. So if you guys had a chance to repick. The final four, UNC and Duke, I mean, the major storyline is that they've never met. They're huge rivals. UNC kind of snuck into the tournament. Duke, it's Coach K's last year. Like, a lot of people wanted to see him crash and burn early in the tournament. He hasn't done that. So now he gets a chance to play his biggest rival. And then the other side of the bracket, Kansas and Nova. Nova, notably, has won a lot recently. I mean, they're just really good year in and year out versus Kansas is a blue blood, but hasn't won, I think, since before 2010. It might have been 2008 or nine that they won the last time. So, 
huge fan bases. Uh, I mean, literally blue bloods. These teams all wear blue. So if you guys had a chance to pick, I know, Austin, you already had Villanova in the championship. Would you pick them again? Um, yeah, just because of the way they're playing right now. I mean, obviously, it's really good. So that's why I had them going to the Final Four and making it to the championship. And um, Colin Gillespie is really good on their team. So, yeah, I'll pick them to go to the championship just because I want my bracket to do better. And um, I'm hoping Duke wins, but, I mean, who knows? UNC, like I said, is playing, like, their best basketball right now. So it could go either way, but I like Coach K, so I hope to, like, see him go out on top. Ryan, what about you? Who would you have if you could repick this Final Four? Mm, I'd probably go Duke. I just think they've looked pretty dominant against every team. And same, I think I'd go Kansas, too, because at least the games I've watched, they haven't really struggled at all. So I, they've looked, like, really solid the whole time. Nova has, too. So I think it'll be a really good game, but I'd give Kansas the edge. All right, just to be contrary, and I guess I'd say I'd go Kansas, or you know what, you said Kansas. I'd go Nova and UNC uh, just because Nova has a proven championship success recently coaching-wise, and UNC, I think, has also looked pretty dominant. I think they've beaten some really good teams along the way, whereas I think Duke has had more of a smooth path. I mean, UNC destroyed Marquette, who was like a pretty popular upset pick in the first round, beat Baylor, who was reigning national champions, one of the most talented teams in the country, UCLA, who was, you know, a popular like Cinderella pick to the Final Four. I guess it wouldn't have been much of a Cinderella because they made it last year, but still a great team. And then they 20 piece St. Peter's, which to be fair, no one else was able to do that in the last 11 games St. Peter's played. So I, I really like them. I also, I'm not a huge Coach K guy, so I think it'd be kind of funny if he lost to his biggest rival in the Final Four. <laughs> but, you know, that's just me being slightly sadistic. So anything else you guys have to add on March Madness and just kind of the way it's played out? You know, any certain upset that you really enjoyed watching or any player you really enjoyed watching? Um, I just want to say, like, it's not about, like, okay, it is March Madness, but, like, what if college football had something like March Madness? Like, wouldn't they get so many ratings, you feel like, and, like, make so much money? Like, For sure. I mean, you're never, college basketball, you had a team in St. Peter's who was at one point, they lost to the number 312 ranked team in the country. They were down in the bottom 200, and they play in, like, a high school-sized gym and have an uh, entire athletics budget that is, like, less than what John Calipari makes in a year. <laughs> and yet they make it within a couple games of the Natty. They're one of the top eight teams in the country. College football, it's like a huge Cinderella story when Cincinnati, one of the best teams in the country, gets to play Alabama, <laughs> which is nuts. So, I mean, I don't really know if I'm an advocate of like a 16-team college football playoff, yeah. but like more than it is now and less biased toward the Power Five because I think the whole the term Power Five is silly in and of itself. Yeah. Yeah, I just think it's great. In ba- it works so well in basketball because, like, St. the St. Peter's run, a dude with a mustache just started hitting threes, and then they're in the lead eight. You know, whereas college football, I don't know if like there's necessarily as much potential for upsets, just because like Alabama gets all the five stars, and like I don't know if like the 16th ranked team in the country is ever going to compete with that. But I do think it would definitely like expand a college playoff. I think I'm in favor of just to give more teams a shot, but. Yeah. I mean, college basketball, just the way it's designed is pretty incredible. I mean, it's kind of a loser machine because everybody other than like three teams ends the year with a loss. But in that as well, almost every team in the country has technically a chance to win the national title. I mean, Pepperdine this year, we were what, seven and 25, but we entered the WCC tournament, I think 12 wins away from the national title. All we had to do was win 12 in a row. Or maybe it was maybe 11 in a row. Five in the WCC tournament because we were a really low seed and then seven in the NCAA tournament. 
So theoretically, we had a chance despite going <laughs> seven and 25. So that's kind of the beauty of it is in reality, everybody can win their conference tournament and get in and then win, you know, become kind of a St. Peter's story. So that's the exciting thing about that. But I think we need to touch on some NFL football because when we last talked, you know, this has been the craziest offseason I've ever seen in the NFL. I think that's a pretty consensus opinion. It's been an NBA-like offseason in that it's been kind of player-led in meaning like players have kind of taken advantage of free agency and trade and like asking for trades and kind of just driven the whole offseason. Last time, as a refresher, Austin, we kind of talked about Tom Brady coming out of retirement, Russell Wilson getting traded to the Broncos. We touched on Deshaun Watson, who at the time was still on the Texans, but had just been exonerated in criminal court. He has not yet been exonerated in civil court. And Carson Wentz was traded to the Commanders. But so much has happened since then in the last two weeks that we'd be remiss not talking about it. So is there is there any of these trades that you guys want to start with? I have a couple that I wrote down. What do you think is the most wild and surprising one that's happened in the last two weeks? Um, I'll say an underrated one that you don't have on here, actually. It's, uh, Matt Ryan to the Colts, I think, is very solid for them because he's like an adult veteran quarterback. Like, And I feel like the Colts, like that very fits like their personality and their head coach and their general manager. So I think that's an underrated move um, because like I think he'll still play well. I think he's you know, out of his prime, but not too far out of his prime. But to go along with their running game, I feel like he's never had a better running game like, like with Jonathan Taylor. So And their defense is really good, so I think it's a really underrated move. Great point. I don't know why I didn't put that on there. I mean, I do think it's a narrow championship window because he's older. But, I, I mean, if there's one team that was really held back by the quarterback position last year, it was the Colts. And so he can kind of change that immediately, not only playoff contenders, but like deep playoff contenders. Ryan, I know you had a hot take that you said to me the other day about Matt Ryan being better than Tom Brady in terms of if he was put in Brady's situation. I don't know how serious you were about that, um, but what are your thoughts on Ryan going to the Colts? Yeah, Brady would be an insurance salesman if he got drafted um, to the same situation that Matt Ryan did. That's my opinion. So I think Matt Ryan you know, has GOAT potential for sure. And he's finally getting the right situation to prove it. I mean, he did blow a 28-3 lead to Tom Brady. But I, I do think it's it's a great like kind of swan song for Ryan. And, you know, I think he'll certainly succeed more than Philip Rivers did in a similar position. So and even Philip Rivers did good though with the Colts in his old age. So Yeah. So that's a good good defense, good running game. That's what we said about them all of last year, and they still managed to implode in the last two games. So whether or not it was a Carson Wentz issue, we will find out this year from both Wentz and Matt Ryan. A couple big receivers getting shipped. Devontae Adams going to the Raiders and Tyreek Hill going to the Dolphins. Uh, so the you know AFC West gets even tougher with the Raiders kind of you know having a stacked group of weapons now to go alongside of Derek Carr and then the Colt or the Chiefs being a little bit weakened with Hill going to the Dolphins, which is kind of a weird move. So many picks involved and the Dolphins are kind of at a weird stage. But do you guys I guess my question for this one is do you guys think this is a direct symptom of how much Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers are getting paid, them having to cut cap space and their quarterbacks are getting paid very handsomely, but they're losing their best weapon as a result. A hundred percent. I mean that's what I mean that's what happened. We saw it happen to the Cowboys this offseason too. They paid Dak and now they lost Amari and like a bunch of players so yeah once you pay your quarterback I mean it's kind of hard to keep everyone that's why you only pay the elite quarterbacks and I think Patrick Mahomes is an elite quarterback so I think he'll make it work without Tyreek Hill obviously it's not ideal that like they lost him but I think it's actually like a good move like for a dynasty 
like standpoint because it's kind of like what the Patriots did. They always got like rid of players like a year earlier too, just because they like wanted to save money. And obviously they're doing that now with Patrick Mahomes. So I think he'll be fine. They got Juju Smith-Schuster. Um, they just got Marquez Vanzas Scantley like two days ago, I think. So I think they'll be fine. And it's a good move for the Dolphins, I guess, because you know just go all in with Tua on his rookie contract still on him and Waddle. I mean that's a lot of speed, but kind of puts a lot of pressure on Tua as well because it's like. They have all the weapons now. Like, show us what you got. So, absolutely, Ryan. What are your thoughts on these two receivers getting moved, um, or just in general these these big moves that are kind of shedding cap space? Yeah, I'm from pretty close to Fresno, so I was really excited to see Devontae Adams to the Raiders, see that Fresno State connection, him and Derek Carr. I think that's going to be really fun to watch, and I actually do like the Raiders a lot next year. And the Tyreek Hill one, I like. Obviously, it's because the Chiefs can't afford to pay him, and they're just trying to get some value back for him now. And as far as the Dolphins go, their situation, I I don't know if I love it for them because he is a 28-year-old wide receiver and his game is basically built around his speed. And so, like like Austin said, they are putting a lot of pressure on Tua to be the guy now. And I think this is kind of like his prove-it year. You know, if he can if he can't perform with this like group of weapons and this improved offensive line, yeah, like I don't know if he's the guy. Yeah, I agree. It's interesting you mentioned Fresno State. Not a lot of people realize that Derek Carr and Devontae Adams are from there, but also Aaron Judge and Paul George also played at Fresno State. So shout out to the Bulldogs. Paul George is also coming back this coming week, so the Clippers are going to kind of maybe be a threat again. We'll see, depending on whether or not Kawhi comes back, but that's a little bit off topic. The other, I mean, I mentioned the AFC West earlier. Khalil Mack also getting dealt to the Chargers from the Bears, or the Bears kind of cleaning house. My team with a new GM, which I kind of like. I mean, Max contract was certainly not the best thing for us, and like the chances of us actually being contenders this year are next to zero. I mean, this is all about developing Justin Fields, so I'm fine with that move. Uh, but what do you guys think about the AFC West this year? I mean, it, it's going to be an absolute bloodbath. Yeah, it's just loaded with talent, star power. I mean, it's like the new NFC West now that Russell Wilson's gone. So I mean, it's good for the Rams, though, right? Because exactly. now we don't have to battle through the toughest division in football anymore. I definitely think it's going to be the hardest division in football. I mean, the Raiders might be fourth, and they could all make the playoffs if that's possible. I don't know. but I think it is mathematically possible. I mean, now that there's seven playoff teams, they probably would have to split with each other all the way through and then win all their out-of-division out of games. But, I mean, any of these four teams on paper is a playoff team. I mean, two of them were. One of them had a really good defense and running game and then added Russell Wilson, and the other should have made the playoffs honestly like the chargers with justin herbert and the weapons they had that there's no reason they should have missed the playoffs and if they had been smart enough to play for a tie against the raiders they would have made it so whoever the odd man out is is the i mean all four of these teams are very optimistic that they're going to make it so i'm glad i'm not a part of that division anymore i'm glad that although aaron Rodgers did come back i think in general the bears division isn't great this year love the vikings re-signing kirk cousins and trying to like <laughs> sweep it under the rug so, you know, I'm I'm kind of stoked about our future. The Lions have done almost nothing, so that's pretty typical of them. They'll be on hard knocks, though. They will be on hard knocks. So <laughs> the draft. Uh, they, they kind of deserve to be on there, so we'll see. We'll see what happens with that organization. The other big trade, Deshaun Watson going to the Cleveland for a boatload of picks. So, you know, from a PR standpoint, I would not envy anyone that works for the Browns right now, you know, signing a guy who has, like, 22 sexual assault allegations against him he's still gonna have to fight those in civil court but what do you guys think about Deshaun you know as a football move the the Browns are still pretty solid and 
you know, now they add arguably one of the most talented quarterbacks in the league. They obviously lost a few people. Jarvis Landry's not coming back. They also did last year, but now they have Amari Cooper. So what, what do you guys kind of think of this from a football standpoint? Um, well, from a football standpoint, Deshaun Watson's like an elite quarterback in the league, top 10, I would think everyone would say. So it's definitely an upgrade from Baker Mayfield, who's kind of just been like toxic in the last year, I would say. I mean, he's a big personality and like kind of just got old in Cleveland. So I get why they made the move. Um, but yeah, those cases against him, I mean, he could be suspended like half the season. So like, you don't know, but I mean, it is an upgrade and they still have a championship contender roster. I would say, I think they have a really good O-line and Nick Chubb still. So, um, I see why he would want to go to the Browns. Yeah, I'm an IMC major, so I'm kind of an expert on this, so I can tell you that was bad PR to sign him. <laughs> but like from a football standpoint, I don't really have anything to add. I think he's going to be, you know, really improve the team, and I think they're definitely contenders next year. Yeah, PR-wise, it was funny. Like the press conference, obviously very difficult to do. I think the owner and the GM might have like skipped the actual in-person press conference and just did like a separate one on Zoom, which was, I would say, cowardly, but, uh, you know, maybe a good PR move. But they also said like they did their own investigation into Deshaun, like to make sure that, you know, these claims weren't valid. And then reporters were asking like, so did you talk to any of the 22 women who <laughs> accused him? And they're like, just deflected the statement. They're like, we did a thorough investigation. Like, did you talk to any of the 22 women? Eventually the answer was no. Uh, I, I don't know if the, you know, the, the victims or alleged victims were even like available for comment, but I don't think they talked to the, their lawyer as well. So... Pretty tough from a PR standpoint. I know a lot of Rams or a lot of Browns fans are saying they're not going to be fans anymore, um, which is understandable. But that's just kind of the you know it's difficult to square people who are good football players but have either certainly or allegedly done bad things off the field. Uh, let's talk about a couple of free agent signings real quick. I have a couple of those listed as well. Why don't we talk about the Rams first since both of you guys are Rams fans. You know, the reigning champions obviously made some big splashes last offseason. Of course, you weren't going to be able to keep everybody, which is, you know, some guys have yet to be re-signed, but Robert Woods is gone, but you replace him with Allen Robinson. So I, I assume you guys have to be stoked about that. I mean, getting another weapon for Stafford. What are your thoughts there on that kind of trade-off and just the Rams offseason in general? I mean, it's hard to win two rings in a row. So so what are you guys feeling right now as we're a couple months into the offseason? I'll let Ryan go because I have a lot to say. Yeah, um, I was sad to lose Bobby Trees. He's one of my favorite players, but... Allen Robinson, I think, I mean, he hasn't put up numbers, obviously, recently, because the Bears' uh, quarterback play hasn't exactly been stellar. He also was pissed at us because we didn't pay him, so he just didn't care last year. I'll, at least that's my opinion. Okay, yeah, got you. But either way, I think he definitely still has the potential to be a big contributor for us, and, you know, I love to see us getting some weapons, but I am really sad that Robert Woods is gone. Yeah, I mean, I saw this news break, and I was heartbroken. I love Robert Woods. Yeah. Like. He was one of those players we got when the Sean McVay era started, along with like Andrew Whitworth, and now he's gone too. And it feels like the soul of the locker room is like gone. Like he's just a good locker room guy, a good teammate. Like everyone, like it sucks to see him go. But um, Allen Robinson's obviously a great player, like very talented. I'm excited to see what he can do with a elite quarterback like um, Matt Stafford. But Robert Woods will be missed definitely. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel like the Rams have done a fine job in this offseason kind of maintaining the core, you know, even though some of the veterans have departed, uh, you know, I think they put themselves in as good of a position as possible. And like we said, the NFC is a little bit weaker next year. Uh, so, you know, the Bucks are still going to be there and the division is still, I mean, the Niners are, I assume, still going to be pretty solid. Cardinals, same deal. But 
in terms of who's the favorite right off the bat to win the conference, at least it's the Rams, you know, kind of no doubt about it. And then, and if we get Bobby Wagner, right? So, whoever that whoever, uh, it's going to be everyone chasing the Rams and having to kind of earn the spot of favorite going into the playoffs. But right now, it's certainly looking solid as a Rams fan. A couple other moves that I noted that are. You know, kind of random, but Mitch Trubisky goes to the Steelers. Marcus Mariota goes to the Falcons. I regarded these two guys, I mean, partially because I saw Trubisky play for several years on the Bears, as two of the best backups in the league. Like, for Mariota, I couldn't really believe how long he was a backup because the Raiders would, like, randomly put him in games, and he would do super well. Trubisky was backing up Josh Allen, and I don't think he deserved to start for the Bears anymore. Like, I'm glad that we have Fields instead. But I am interested to see what these guys do with new systems. I think especially Trubisky coming into a team who like never has a losing season and never misses the playoffs. I mean, what more could you ask for as a guy who's getting a chance to earn a starting job back for Mariota? I'm a little more concerned because the Falcons roster is certainly not as good. Um, so do you guys have any thoughts about those two guys as they get into new systems and whether or not they're going to be able to last as starters or if they're kind of just career backups at this point, which is a good gig. You get paid yeah. millions of dollars to hold a clipboard. Yeah. I would love to be a backup quarterback. But um, I actually like both these moves. I like Trubisky to the Steelers. Um, I think this could both be them like a Ryan Tannehill situation. Like they both, or like Jameis Winston. They both got to sit after being a starter for a while. Sit, and now they're going to be a chance to be a starter again. We saw with Jameis with Sean Payton. Like before he got hurt, he looked really good. So I think Trubisky can work well with the Steelers. I mean, they have a fantastic defense. They have good weapons. And I mean, he went to the playoffs with Matt Nagy twice, I think. So. I think you can do that with Mike Tomlin, who hasn't had a losing season in forever. So I think it's all for them. And I personally am a big Marcus Mariota fan because I love Oregon. So I hope he does well. And he's been a really good backup too. And he never really had like the right system or coach in Tennessee. So we'll see if they buy into him in Atlanta. Yeah, I think Trubisky, I mean, I watched Big Ben play a decent amount last year. And I don't think Trubisky can be like much worse than that. Big Ben did not have a good year. And they still had a like a non-losing season, so um, yeah, I think Trubisky will work decently at least in in Pittsburgh. Mike Tomlin's system is obviously very solid, proven to work. Mariota, the Falcons, I think he could struggle a little bit just because their roster is definitely not as good as the Steelers, and it's not as good as the Raiders. Even like he looked good on the Raiders, but um, I just don't. I don't know. I think he might struggle. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. I mean, I'm excited for Trubisky because I think he is really talented and he showed flashes of that. He was just never consistent enough. But I do blame a lot of that on Matt Nagy because of how bad Nagy was even when Trubisky wasn't playing. So I also think Trubisky is a step up from Duck Hodges and Mason Rudolph. So I don't think it's be that tough for him to win the starting job uh, and then go from Unless there. Unless draft someone. But. True, true. But the, again, it's not that heavy of a quarterback draft. Yeah. So. Should be interesting. Uh, the whole NFL offseason has been interesting. Another thing I'll note is that the Bengals kind of reloaded their offensive line, which should be scary for the rest of the league because they're, that was really their only flaw in that playoff run was protecting Joe Burrow. So I think they've got to be the favorites to win that division as good as the Ravens are, you know, as good as the Browns could be, um, kind of like the Rams. I mean, the Bengals are kind of the target, and then everyone else will be looking to get there. But the AFC's loaded. I do not envy yeah. being a fan of an AFC team. I mean, the Bills got, you know, came a play away last year, and now all of a sudden they, there are even better players in that in that conference. So tough for them. Is there anything else you guys want to add on NFL free agency? I did put Juju to the Chiefs on there, but that's mostly because I thought the jokes about him <laughs> making TikToks with Patrick Mahomes' brother were funny. I don't actually care really about Juju going to the Chiefs. I guess it's kind of a 
good weapon replacement for them that Tyreek's gone, but he's certainly no Tyreek. Yeah. No, those are funny. I like those memes about Patrick Mahomes' brother. They make me laugh. <laughs> yeah, Patrick Mahomes and his uh, his brother and his wife kind of get talked trash on a lot on social media, but I feel they like they've definitely some earned it. it. Yeah, yeah they, they've done some questionable things. Uh, I'll let the listeners kind of Google Brittany Matthews or Brittany Mahomes and uh, what's his name? Jackson Mahomes, yeah. just to kind of know why the internet hates them. But I'm sure the Chiefs will still be really solid this year. I also put on there picking NFL divisions. We don't have to do that because we've got several months to do that as the offseason continues to evolve. But I did mention an NBA name earlier. I guess we also brought up LeBron earlier. But I mentioned Paul George coming back. Uh, you know, as we're kind of closing the show and taking a look at what's going on in the NBA with just about a couple weeks to go until the playoffs this year. We have the the play-in tournament where the 7 through 10 seeds will kind of play to get into what we know as the traditional playoffs. As you guys kind of take a look at the standings and just what's been going on lately, what really jumps out at you? I mean, I don't know if Austin wants to talk about what the Lakers are doing right now, but just in general, if you don't want to talk about the Lakers, you know, I'm surprised by what's going on at the top of the West and how insanely dominant the Suns and Grizzlies have been uh, versus the East has been very tight at the top. Um, anything that jumps out at you as we go toward the playoffs and what you think might happen in the last few weeks of the regular season. Okay. So only thing I'll say about the Lakers, because I can't even watch anymore, it's so disappointing, is it's a throwaway year, LeBron's still a GOAT, and he won the scoring title in year 19, which means he could have won it any other year if he wanted to, and he said that. So, um, But the top of the West is crazy, because the Grizzlies are like insane now, and they're like 17-2 and two without John Morant, which is like just insane they're just a bunch of role players like they're kind of like a college team like we were talking about earlier and it's working well but i will say i think it's going to be a rematch of the bucks and the suns in the finals because they look like the two most dominant teams in each conference and i think the bucks are going to roll through the west i mean the east honestly because i think their biggest competition would be like the celtics or sixers and usually james harden doesn't perform well in the playoffs and or Embiid, so I got a rematch of the Suns-Bucks, and we'll see who wins that. Yeah, I think clearly the Suns the team to beat right now. I mean, they're just looking so solid. I'm taking them out of the West, and I'm going to go hot take and say Sixers out of the East just because um, my boy Embiid has that dog in him. <laughs> I knew that you wanted to say that. This is Ryan's best take for why Embiid should be the MVP. Is simply He'll that. win MVP. He'll win. He's cold. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, you can't be an, an advanced stats nerd who thinks that Jokic should win it or anything. Yeah, if you think Jokic should win it, you're a nerd, honestly. Embiid's too cold. <laughs> what about Embiid shooting like 20 free throws a game? Yeah. I mean, it's the way the league's going nowadays, you know? Harden <laughs> might be rubbing off on him. That's huh? 11.7, actually, free throw percentage, or th- free throws attempted per game. That's and Giannis high. is at 11.5, so oh. pretty high for the other. They foul Giannis on purpose, though. So. MVP can't, yeah. But Giannis also kind of like plows into people. Yeah. And I mean, maybe MB does it as well. Uh, but Giannis is like real bully ball, like lower the shoulder and hope he gets a call. But I mean, you, LeBron somehow still beating both of them points per game 30.1 right now for LeBron. They're MB and Giannis are both at 29.9. So I guess that could change, but uh, LeBron's also sitting out in this next game, I believe, with an injury. So. He's, yeah. he's staying ahead there. I don't really know who I... I mean, I do want to say the Suns, but I also... You know, it's hard to pick against the Warriors coming out of the West. I have some questions. Well, about now Steph's out, though. True. For how long? For the whole year. There's a year. So it's out for the year? Yeah. Oh, well, I did not know that. Yeah. I guess they're screwed. <laughs> uh, 
Oh, that is tough. So, all right, I, I do like the Suns then, and I don't know, I'll go with the Sixers as well, just kind of to throw a wrench in there. Maybe earlier in the year I would have said the Bulls, but the Bulls were like 1-15 in 15 or something against the top of the, the top few teams in the East. So uh, we're a year or two away. I'll just leave it at that. So I think that's all we've got here on the NBA. I'm sure we'll talk about it more in the coming weeks as we do get closer to the playoffs. But is there anything else you guys want to add as we uh, as we close the show? I think we're out of time. I'm good. I still think Pepperdine should have gotten an at-large bid to March Madness. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know, we had a really solid conference year, one in sixteen. So I think we really proved ourselves. Yeah. But Ryan, thank you for coming. Up. Thank you for coming on the show. It's been a it's been a fantastic time. I appreciate you guys having me. Thanks. All right, that'll do it for us here on episode nine of this season of Sports Waves, episode eight here of 2022. My name is Carl Winter. I was your co-host today alongside my co-host, Austin Lede, and we were joined by our guest, Ryan Hemphill. Sports Waves is a Pepperdine Graphic Media podcast production, and you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at PepGraphic, that's at P-E-P-P Graphic, for updates on all other PGM podcasts, or find us online at pepperdine-graphic.com or pepperdinegraphic.com, either one works, and you can find all updates on all PGM content. As always, thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time.